Hey there, this is Jonathan. Welcome back to the podcast. So excited you're here. This week we're having the second part to a great conversation with Timothy Ballard on being a root-bound Christian and applying some great principles from a parable in Luke chapter 13. Let's jump right back into the conversation. These are tough questions. You know, that's the purpose of the Bible is for us to uh, consider ourselves and to mold ourselves in the way of Christ. But, you know, this parable um, isn't just about the fig tree. You know, I can see that there's another character in it who is extremely important, and that's the owner. So let's talk about him for a little bit. Tell me about the landowner and uh, what I can take away from him in this parable. Well, could he be any more patient, (laughs) more lingering in I mean, season after season, he was uh, making these trips back to uh, the vineyard. And it, it just kind of makes us sad when we kind of realize that he had to leave that many times. Right. Not seeing uh, the fruit that he was expecting. And you were telling us earlier that this isn't a once a year. If it's three times a year, this is nine times that he's coming expecting to see fruit and seeing mm-hmm. no evidence of growth. So, yeah, it, it seems pretty tragic. Yeah. So. When we move beyond the parable into daily living, so right, I, I, I see these two characters and I'm ready to maybe apply some principles uh, into my everyday growth. The, the question I want to ask is how can I begin and how can I maintain that pattern of growth? You know, how can I avoid the fate of this fig tree and how can I be one who is um, going to be doing what the master wants? Right. Well, We've got to, from from the moment that we enter the kingdom, once we're planted in the vineyard, we have got to continue to develop our conviction. Okay. You know, we, we all began with it. I mean, at some point, we we understood, we heard the gospel, it convicted us, and so we responded to it in obedience. But there's got to be a, a development of that because, I mean, imagine, like we were just saying, if we were all just still drinking out of bottles, all drinking milk. <laughs> Right. Um, I was, for my first job working for a landscape architect, and we had designed a park in Fort Worth, Texas, along the Trinity River called Airfield Falls. Mm-hmm. And one of our responsibilities during the construction phase was going to the tree farm and selecting the trees that were going to be uh, located uh, back in the park. And on one occasion, we were selecting 20 Uh, bald cypress trees, and we were picking really big ones. These were eight 10-inch caliper trees. They were about 22, 25 feet tall. And while we were walking through this massive grove of trees, uh, it was about 40 trees by 10 trees, and right in the center of one, we had been walking around about an hour. We had selected about half of them, and there's a group of about seven of us with the, uh, the owner of the plant farm, and we came upon a tree Amongst, again, all these 25-foot trees, right. that was about three feet tall. Hmm. It was the same age, planted at the same time, and we just all couldn't but help notice this little dinky tree surrounded by all these big old brothers and sisters trees. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him, I said, what's going on with this thing? He said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, I don't know. Don't some trees have diseases and that keeps them from growing? He goes, no. Hmm. He said, this tree is root-bound. Mm. And he went on to explain how whenever this tree was planted along with all the other ones, its roots didn't get into the soil. They just kind of stayed wound up in a ball, kind of like 
uh, whenever we pull a shrub out of the black thing from Home Depot. Right. You know, you're supposed to cut those roots and uh -huh. loosen, them, loosen up. them up. For whatever reason, these roots didn't find the soil. And so its roots were all, he said it was all, they were all bound up together. And so it wasn't able to grow like the others because it hadn't established itself. Okay. And so there's this very obvious, you know, difference between the two. Well, he also went on to explain, he said, there's also another kind of manifestation of a root-bound tree where it might look like all the other big healthy trees above ground. Mm -hmm. But within that uh, root system, it still has stayed somewhat bound up and nature has found a way to kind of develop its growth above ground, but its root ball is much too small. And you'll, know, you'll have no idea until that big storm comes. Mm. And that high wind will just lay that big, tall, beautiful tree right over because its roots are not established. So, you know, I've had to consider my own personal life um, being the son of a preacher, right. the brother of a preacher, mm -hmm. the brother of one who's gone to do foreign mission work. <laughs> and n not to say that I had to go, as com in comparison, have to go do that or something equal, uh -huh. but... To, when I was honest with myself, I could acknowledge, yeah, most of my 20s, I was root bound. Mm. And I was that third one where I don't know if anybody else noticed. I was walking around. I went to all the meetings. Yeah. I was at all the services uh -huh. and, you know, took part in services. But yet down deep, if you were to, you know, ask me to give you a hope of the, you know, of the hope that lies within me. I don't know if I could have given it to you on the spot. And so the 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 foundation, the, the root system in which uh, my growth was uh, relying upon was weak. Hmm. And so that's the kind of introspection that we all have to acknowledge and be thoughtful and mindful of uh, on a daily basis because if that foundation isn't there, when that test comes... Right. Then, then the the tree's going to fall. Um, how did you give me a practical way that you, I guess, uh, shook off the, the root ball? How did you right. put your root, roots down deep, so to speak? I struggle with approaching people who seem to have a problem or an indifference to being with God's people. So how do you get someone to want to be with people that they aren't really wanting to be with? Right. That might be a question to answer in another podcast. I don't know. <laughs> but for someone who has that conviction and is and is trying to develop it, and they wonder, man, I, man, I just really feel weak weak this week. Mm -hmm. That's weird to say. <laughs> I just I really don't feel like um I'm not I don't feel connected to God. Well. Have you spent time with God's people? Right. Are you choosing when the I mean there's we live in a in a density of Christians that I'm going to say there's no excuse mm -hmm. to not be able to find time. Granted, okay. There's people with weird work hours, a lot of family responsibility. Right. Okay. Sometimes right. but we can I'm not going to allow a general rule to be weakened by one exception. Correct. Choose to be with God's people. And that can manifest itself in uh, if the church that you're the the local congregation has set aside time to worship, maybe in a midweek, 
that you're going to make the rule to be there and not the exception. If there's going to be gospel meetings, uh, whether it be your home congregation or sister congregations nearby, you're going to do your best to support them. Uh, it's going to be if there's you know, spending time outside of the assembly. I mean, maybe this is my soapbox moment, but uh, you know, I want my best friends to be the people that are going to help me get to heaven right. instead of the people that are trying to snare me and take me away from heaven. I think about the proverb that says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but an enemy multiplies kisses. I want to spend my time around people that want to help me get to heaven. So, you know, I'm agreeing with you, shouting from the mountaintops, amen, that (laughs) uh, if I want my roots to run deep, then I want to be with God's people who are going to help me get those roots down deep instead of being put in a root ball. There's a very smart lady out there who's a, I guess she's a botanist and biologist, her name is uh, Susan Semard. Okay. And uh, she's been doing plant research for over 30 years. And she has been conducting these experiments and studies where, again, for someone who is a scientist or listening to this, they're going to say, well, he's getting it all wrong. I'm trying <laughs> to give you the general idea that I got from her brilliant TED Talk. So this <laughs> okay. is the condensed version of someone who's really smart. Um she took carbon and nitrogen and other uh, isotopes, and she injected them into these uh, Douglas fir and uh, paper birch trees, and with a Geiger counter, was able to actually measure their transfer back and forth. Right. And so these trees that seem interdependent above the ground had actually uh, connected, and if you... Uh, will allow me to say they have begun talking in the language of carbon, in the in the language of nitrogen and phosphorus and stuff like that. Okay. And so in the summer, the birch uh, sent more carbon to the fir, especially when the fir tree was in shade. And then later in the fall and winter, while the birch was leafless, the fir sent more carbon uh, to its neighboring birch trees. Hmm. The incredible beauty of God's creation is manifesting itself like below ground. And, you know, we, we right. can't but help look at Half Dome or something. That thing. <laughs> but man, there's even so much more going on and there's right. design, you know, underneath our feet. Um, she also referenced how, you know, some of these big mother trees that are four or five feet in diameter growing up in these, you know, massive forests they will actually show preference to some of their own kin, some huh. of their saplings. And so they conducted a, an experiment where they had little saplings from a mother tree and then saplings from other trees, and that mother actually sent more good things to them. Right. And she actually constricted some of her own root growth huh. in those areas so that they could kind of spread out uh, and establish themselves. Wow. Um and, you know, they went on to even find out more things about uh, their systems where um, when one tree might recognize the the introduction of a harmful alien uh-huh. in whatever manifestation within the forest, it could actually send a signal through that connected system to the other trees of warning. Wow. That uh, this either beetle or fungus or whatever uh-huh. had, had shown itself in the forest. So I these these examples are incredible to me. And it backs up some of what uh, maybe Romans chapter 1 talks about, how that God's invisible qualities are clearly seen through nature. And uh, taking that principle, applying it with this parable of the fig tree, I want to develop my conviction, and I want to do it by spending time with my Christian family. I want to be there. So I'm going to be there on Sunday. 
Uh, if the church meets in the middle of the week, I want to be there too. I want to spend time with them. You know, I want to have people over to my house, just family for game night or whatever. Um, but I can't be around Christians all the time. That's just a fact of life. I'm going to have to go to work. I'm going to have to have alone time. So what are what is maybe a way I can maintain some spiritual growth on my own uh, away from the family of God? Sure. This one might already be thought of by your listeners right now, but we must, uh, I'm going to use the word amplify our prayer life. Okay. Um, you know, and I would liken that to the the need for all vegetation. It needs water. It needs a sustained and recurring kind of connection uh, of water. And so our prayers are like that where, you know, sometimes we feel like we might be disconnected. Uh, sometimes we might feel like we've been planted uh, somewhere else, but it's that water that keeps us healthy mm-hmm. and keeps us connected to uh, the things that are important. And it enforces and uh, is the medium by which we can connect to God. Mm. I think about in James 5, uh, where the scripture says that the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So the King James Version. It, it accomplishes a lot. So I want to pray on my own um, even whenever I may not be around God's people, because it's going to help me remember God's people. I'm gonna I'm gonna be thinking about Him even whenever I am not around. I'm able to maintain that relationship. If I wanted to, you know, I guess we're kind of keeping a theme of 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 this tree growth, right? We're putting down roots. Uh, we're staying. We're amplifying our life through prayer, uh, sustenance like water. Uh, the third one that that you mentioned on Sunday was bearing fruit, that this is a way that I can maintain spiritual growth is by bearing fruit. Talk to me about that for a little bit. You know, it might seem like a tree that is going to provide it, its fruit, you know, that that fruit's going to get plucked, mm-hmm. and it's going to not ever have any kind of relationship with that tree again. And so it might seem like a means to an end that this tree is just going to, every season, give off its fruit, and then it's just... It's just this kind of cycle that seems like it's kind of it's left wanting because well what benefit is the tree going to get from that fruit that it gave right. to you so but I think of John chapter fifteen verse eight where Jesus says my Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples mm. and so when we recognize that bearing fruit is what gives God glory there's really not. What other encouragement right. did we need to say, you know, you guys need to be bearing fruit? Well, why? <laughs> well, your father is glorified <laughs> right. when you bear the fruit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's a good one for me. That's a motivator that I want to bear fruit because God is glorified. And, you know, I could comment by saying that, that bearing fruit doesn't mean the amount of souls that you save. I used to think that when I was a teen mm-hmm. and I felt so guilty. I was like, well, I haven't led anybody to Christ yet. I guess I haven't borne any fruit. But bearing fruit is just the, you know, the the living of your life for the Lord in a positive, effective, and growing way. So if you are uh, the type of person who may be an, an introvert, but you are good at being charitable, you know, then you're going to bear fruit by working hard at your job and then giving extra to the Lord and being charitable. Right. Or if you are a type A personality, but uh, you're not a teacher, maybe you're an encourager, then it's going to be giving more hugs and lifting more people up than you did in the past. So bearing fruit takes shape in many different ways. Well, and I've I've looked at the cross section of the trunks of trees. Uh-huh. I just I find them profoundly beautiful. And 
you know, if you look at that very center ring, you'll see its first year growth. Mm -hmm. And as it, you know, concentrically grows outward and outward and outward, those, you know, that that contiguous mass of growth actually gets thinner and thinner because that tree is kind of spreading out. And so its, hmm. its growth ring is actually getting thinner. And one of the things that you'll see whenever you uh, cut a tree is you'll see a year of drought or you'll see a year of extra rain. Okay. You might even see where that tree got scorched by fire. Really? And so you can see, you know, it, it's kind of a, a morbid thing that the trees cut down when you see this thing. But <laughs> right. it's... Uh, you we won't take you, it too far. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can see the evidence there of what that tree had to go through. And so... You know, in the the rate of growth might change, mm -hmm. you know, along that long life, and so you know the way that I would liken it to the way we bear fruit, and you know, a small tree is going to bear some, uh, maybe smaller fruit, less frequent fruit than when it's older. You know, there are some things that we might be uncomfortable doing in the in the church when we're when we're young, as we mature and develop. I, I think you know our motivation changes. Right now that I have boys. And what, one of the things that encourage, encourages me so much about some of those maybe quieter guys at church uh -huh. is I've spoken to some of them, and they're not naturally wanting to lead songs or lead a prayer mm -hmm. or teach, mm -hmm. but they've got kids right. that are sitting there, and they've told me, I'm doing this because my son has got to see me do this. That's my good. daughter has got to see their father. When I say got to, it's their conviction right. that they feel the need that although you know they might not be up there with sweating palms mm -hmm. and nervous and everything they realize that the, the fruit that's being bored and it might be years later in their kids life the fact that they're doing that is of profound you know fruit and spiritual goodness for others i'm encouraged whenever brothers do that i'm i'm grateful that they make it about more than just himself right like i'm I'm embarrassed or I'm uncomfortable, so I don't want to do it. No, their mindset is, I need to bear fruit in the lives of my children. I need to bear fruit in the lives of my congregation. Um, well, and even Krista brought this up, you know, after, after the, I guess it was last night. There are people there in the audience that identify as that brother does. Mm. And so when that introvert sees another introvert performing in that maybe public way or... Uh, Maybe, you know what, there are actually some people that don't want to go do the busy work. Right. You know, they want to, they're actually more about being up in the front. And so sometimes that person that would rather be up front, maybe they need to see someone else going to do the behind the scenes stuff. Or, you know, so they're, you know, being an example, sometimes we think that, uh, like you're saying, the type A, the upfront person is the one who's going to be the obvious example. Right. You know, kind of pushing it out there. When... It could be that it's the, I don't like the word introvert, but, you know, we all understand it, so I'll use it. The introvert is, you know, performing that thing, and that could really encourage someone who thinks, okay, I can get over this. Yeah. I can perform in that mm -hmm. way just like he does or mm -hmm. the way she does. Well, when your mindset is God will be glorified when I bear fruit, I mean, we can do anything. Well, and I, it's taken me a while, but now that I'm over 30, I've realized that, everybody's a nerd about something. <laughs> and so, like, I'm thinking in our congregation, there's a lot of guys who are just as much nerds about sports stuff, and they can talk about stats right, 
and stuff like that for hours. And so, you know, we try to consolidate ourselves or not try, maybe we just naturally consolidate ourselves into these niche groups. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like we can fit into that one more easily than the other. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. But when we um, feel like we can't connect with somebody else or, you know, we, we, we have different interests. And so we're not going to try to connect on the spiritual level. We got to kind of strip that down a little bit. Right. So that we can all, you know, I was talking about the nerd thing because we're, we're sometimes used to the differences in each other instead of things that make us alike. But mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, sometimes as a young man, you're worried to uh, pitch the song or lead it in correctly. And so you're, you're tentative the whole time. Yeah. And it, it took people telling me, do you, all those people out there, they all love you. Right. They're not critiquing you right uh-huh. now. You're you're leading them in worship, and there's huge value to that. And again, it was just a couple of years ago. I remember Jeremy Scott at a New Year's meeting trying to tell some of the Aaron guys. He goes, "Guys, I shake up there when I'm leading a song. Sometimes, yeah, there's 900 people <laughs> singing and looking at you. Right. Yeah. So we got to kind of, if we can, strip all that away and realize, yes, this is about God and uh-huh. giving Him glory. And you have no bigger fan section than everybody sitting out in front of you. I really like that point. That um, and I'll confess as well, you can ask Marissa because she's the one who has to hold my hand before I, I preach every Sunday or whenever. <laughs> but I don't think I've ever preached where I'm not nervous. Oh, yeah. You know? And the, the irony of ironies is I get incredibly nervous at a big gospel meeting when there are hundreds, if not a thousand people there. I actually get more nervous when there's fewer people. And if there's going to be five to ten because oh, yeah. then, contact. yeah, then I have to make eye contact. <laughs> you know, and so whether you're leading a song of prayer or preaching, and there's you know fewer people up there, it, it can be a little bit more intimidating. We're getting way off topic with uh, maybe that, but we'll we'll hone it in by saying we're doing it because God's glorified, right? And that's why we want to bear the fruit. Um, now, if we're going to wrap it up, I, I guess I'd like to to bring it back to the parable where it ends with the gardener pleading. For one more year, you know, it's not just the the uh, the landowner coming in saying cut it down, boom, it's done. But it, it rather ends on a, a rather hopeful note of the gardener begging for that one more opportunity. What can we take away from such a plea? Well, yes, thankfully we see the gospel in this story uh-huh. and this representation of Jesus as the one speaking on our behalf. Um, but we've got to acknowledge that the divine patience of God can be exhausted. Yes, he waits. And, you know, he came back nine, maybe ten times, every time expecting that there would be some growth, some fruit there. Mm-hmm. But there, as we see on this, you know, last visit, there was a limit right, to his patience. Uh, you know, at some point he was going to allow that tree to become, uh, you know, burned in the fire. Um, and so in the parable of the fig tree, that the definite period of grace was given uh, to this tree. It had one more year, mm-hmm. uh, but no more. And so we've got to recognize this uh, limit to God's patience and his grace. You know, the Jews had just about reached their limit. Right. Uh, the prophets had come. Uh, they had rejected them. John the Baptist came mm-hmm. and he preached about the urgency of repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of his hearers. Uh, remain the same. And then finally the Son of God was sent and uh, his message and that of his apostles was to be, uh, it was the final word from heaven uh, to get the Jews to repent. And so that was their last chance. 
So, you know, today, as we consider ourselves, you know, to being spiritual Israel, right? Um, we are members of this kingdom of God, and we bear under this same kind of limited time. We don't know, right? We don't know how much time uh, it's going uh, to be given to us, and so the one escape that we have from this tragedy is contained within the words of Jesus. He said, you know, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Well, Timothy, thank you very much for coming on the show. I'm grateful for the opportunity. And I'm wondering if you have a final word for anybody out there who needs maybe a little extra dose of encouragement. They've uh, Maybe they've been stepped spiritually on the toes. And how could you lift them up in this final moment? Um, you can be planted in the vineyard. You can be... Uh, you can be placed within this privileged spot, uh, within the garden. You can be looked upon by Jesus, and you can be tended to by the vine dresser. And you're going to experience things within that vineyard that are far greater than being out of it. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus uh, is going to tend to you. He's going to love you, and he's going to offer blessings in your life that uh, will enrich you and uh, give you peace. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, I hope you'll come back. Lord willing, we'll see you next time, okay? Absolutely. Thanks. I want to thank Timothy once again for coming on the program. Every time a new guest comes on, I have to offer the same encouragement, and that is that don't worry, you're not going to look silly, and nobody can see you right now. It's just the two of us sitting here together. But these conversations are helpful for others who are listening to the program. And so thank you, Timothy, for taking a risk and coming on the show And I'm also thankful for the conversation that we've had. I hope to have him back soon. For those of you out there who are listening to the podcast for the first time, please subscribe. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. You can also subscribe on SoundCloud. Subscribing to the podcast is a great way to let me know that this content is helpful to a general audience. So please do so. It's great for my feedback. And while you're subscribing, you can check out the website, www.pureandsimplebible.com There are excellent resources for you to use for your personal ministry and if you are a Christ-seeking person then these resources are helpful for you on your journey of faith as you learn more about our risen Savior. Until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much and I do too. Lord willing, see you next week. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.